Hey, there it is. Okay, we are live. That was like a perfect segue with the music and everything. It's Saturday <laughs> afternoon, so it's kind of just us vibing for now. Um, I'm sure some people will filter in eventually, but Saturday afternoon is nice for kind of our little impromptu thing because we can vibe a little bit and, you know, not have to worry about like a Saturday night flood of like 800 people uh, into the chat. So welcome, everybody. <clears throat> welcome back to another episode of ESP D&D Podcast. I am not your storyteller for tonight, just the host uh, of our podcast. Uh, I am Essie Erin Spencer. My pronouns are she, her. You can catch me here alternating Saturdays and alternating Mondays with our Stormwatch Rise of the Centaurum campaign about toppling fascism and our witchy tarot card homebrew 5e adventure called Heaven's Fire and alternating Saturdays, picking up again October 8th after a hiatus for our Redux campaign. And the Stormwatch is alternating Mondays. So, hello, D. How are you? Tell the people who you are, what your pronouns are, uh, and a little bit about yourself and your experience with the dungeons and or <laughs> the dragons. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Essie kind of said it. Uh, my name's D. Pronouns are she, her. Um, gosh, it's been so long. I think I started Dean Dean um maybe like right around my second year of college so it's going on five five years i want to say um it's uh, it's been a while um and i more recently started dming and i want to say i'm going on my first year uh of completing that because i think i started dming we're in august now so yeah we're right, right around this time is that a red panda i see <laughs> yeah, uh maybe possibly i don't know <laughs> Is in there? I think so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, Panda. If that's Panda. Hello, it is Panda. <laughs> Perfect. I also started DMing, or not DMing, I also started getting into 5th edition. So D&D has a long history with me. I started when I was 10-ish with my brother. Um, he had AD&D 2nd edition. And oh, I wow. Yeah, I can't remember what adventure it was, but it was a lot of fun, and I got my ass kicked, and I just played, of course, a generic human fighter warrior type <laughs> situation. Uh, he had to throw a bunch of NPCs in with the mix, like a, 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 I think back then they still had, like, dwarf and elf mm -hmm. type of thing. Yes, yeah, so... that, that's on the way for, for second edition. Um, <laughs> I more recently, I'm sure we'll get to talking about it, but more recently started sort of falling in love with um second edition not necessarily because i like the the stats um but i like what they had to offer specifically mm -hmm. um jammer um i love all things space and the fact that Spelljammer was a thing i want to say one of my one of my dm friends had introduced it to me and i just kind of went a little wild i went a little crazy because i found out that DD &D and space was a thing that i can then mix together that's mm -hmm. Spelljammer. So yes, there are a couple things that from um, second edition I do enjoy. I have no idea what the hell Thacko is, but you know, I will figure it out if only to delve into spacey things. Now, wait a minute. Is this a different red panda than our panda? <laughs> this is wild. What? There are D, there's two red, there's two red pandas that are, what? yes. <laughs> There's so many two. pandas. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry, Red Panda Spoons. Hello, Red Panda Spoons. 
Uh, it's funny because our other friend, Red Panda, uh, always talks about how she's always in the uh, Forever DM corner as well. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I guess Panda changed her changed her Twitch handle to say Red Panda Spoons because she, she says that all the time. But hello, new Red Panda. Welcome. Welcome in. Welcome in. Uh, this is ESP D&D, the podcast. We're happy to have you. I'm, my mind is just red panda. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same with same with our other panda. That's wild. <laughs> that is wild. Well, in any case, uh, are you ready to jump into our first impressions on the Radiant Citadel? Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited, y'all. All right. Well, let's get the window capture up. See if this works. Yay! All right, I just gotta zoom down a little bit. All right, so some credit stuff. Oh, right, I gotta do DMCA stuff. So this is uh, currently playing one of our music partners. Tabletop RPG music. Yay, it worked. Uh, one of our music partners. <gasps> oh, awesome. Hello from the RGB. I, I was just talking to D. As I was trying to do promotion, the selfie channel was blo I was like, why is Rory's selfie channel blowing up right now? Uh, oh, now we know why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lee, hello, Lee. Welcome. Welcome in. Uh, so that's some DMCA stuff there for our music partners. And, of course, the writers for Radiant Citadel, Justice Armand, who uh, I'm familiar with some of their other work. I hear that name a lot. So, uh, Dominique Dickey. Uh, Ashid A. George, uh, Bashir Gauss, I think, Goose, Ju. I'm really bad at pronunciation. I'm sorry, everybody. Alistair Guz Guzman. I keep thinking of, uh, the, the, <laughs> I keep thinking of Mr. Guzman from Better Call Saul. Ah, uh, yes. Fox Harold, TK Johnson, Felice, uh, Felice, Zihue? I think, I think, I think I'm close. Felice Zihue Sounds Juan, good enough. Serena Marie, uh, Mimi Mandel, Mario Ortegon, Ortegon, uh, Miki Jane Pinkard. Uh, some, some, some pronunciations I'm really good at, others I'm not. Uh, Pam Funzalan, uh, Aaron Roberts, Terry, Terry H. Romero, and Stephanie Yoon. That's a name I have seen many times before as well. Of course, um, Project Leads, uh, Ajit A. George, F. Wesley Schneider. Art directors Kate Irwin and Emmy Tanji. And of course, very long other name. So, Radiant Citadel. Is this the index? That is just the index. We're gonna we're just gonna do first impressions. Sure. Okay, so I'm gonna read the block text here. I'll just go through this. <clears throat> In the heart of the ethereal plane lies an ancient and mysterious city called the Radiant Citadel. Through tradition, cooperation, and ancestral magic, 15 civilizations are bound to this wondrous site. Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel is an anthology of exciting adventures that explore the cultures and myths of these realms. The adventures and Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel were created by members of the D&D community with connections to various uh, real-world cultures and mythologies. Embarking on the adventures of the Radiant Citadel will expand your gaming horizons. Give your characters new perspectives and might change the way you look at fantasy tropes and traditions, which I think is the point, which is awesome. 
As adventurers are the lens through which we explore fantastic worlds, they shape who our characters are and what they believe in. The greater the variety adventurers offer, the richer our characters and, by extension, our gaming experiences. From glittering light markets to undersea, uh, undersea cities, from curse-afflicted villages to angel-ruled city-states, these adventuring adventurers provide a pathway to never-before-seen lands and stories. The gates of the Radiant Citadel stand open, and a rich tapestry of stories is yours to explore. You know, I looked at this the first time and I thought that this was a roll table and it's just the chapters. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's got the little, like, which uh, which levels are appropriate mm -hmm. for which, uh, which adventures. Um, but... Uh, Honestly, with that little blurb, I'm I'm super excited. Like I've I've heard yeah. rumblings, and I've tried to kind of like stay away just so we can have a more, um, you know, authentic reaction. But I've definitely heard some some rumblings about how cool some of these adventures are. So I have been asked to run this uh, potentially. Uh, I can't say any more than that. It's <laughs> it's in the works. I have been asked to run this uh, by one of our partner servers uh the uh owner and lead content creator creative director at one of our other partner servers and i'm really considering running it but i think this next part here is kind of for um for folks who are kind of like me who are yes i'm trans and i'm queer um but i, I really am concerned with making sure that i do this respectfully and correctly so that being said, there is a little blurb here about exactly that. <laughs> so I would be curious to get um, to get your thoughts on this. Um, so new homes that your discretion players can create characters who are from the locations presented in this book. Consider allowing players to review the gazetteers. Of course, okay, that's just a basic intro. Okay, thoughtful introductions. While exploring the locations introduced through these adventures, be thoughtful about how you role play and describe groups of people, of course. Consider the guidance here when running adventures. Okay, and then these are the guiding factors here. So broad descriptions. Describe everyone's features, not just those whose features are different from your own. Okay, I like that. Um, detail, not stereotypes. When describing a character's appearance, strive to detail more than just one thing and avoid descriptions based on stereotypes. The more you can say about body type, hairstyle, and texture, skin tone, clothes, accessories, and the like, the more dimension the character has. As some societies strongly associate ethnicity with skin color, take extra care when describing character skin colors. Consider a range of literal descriptions, such as copper, umber, onyx, or ebony, with modifiers such as rich, lustrous, warm, or cool. Gradual explorations. You don't have to reveal an entire setting's entire culture at once. Uh, skip details that aren't immediately relevant to the characters. Reveal details as they pop up within the story. Seen in a tavern presents opportunities to introduce distinct foods, while a market trip is a great time to note varieties of dress. Okay. Highlight what's familiar. Highlight what's familiar in a culture and how it's like other locations. So kind of compare uh, compare to the familiar. Uh, they can help characters ground their experiences. Okay. Better to say what they're saying. Uh, and then a little blurb on uh, online and streamed games. I think it's just um, respectful cultural appropriation. It seems to be the general thing. Like, don't do that. Um, mm -hmm. Just as you don't have to breathe fire in real life to play through a Dragonborn, you don't need to be from cultures that inspire the adventures in this book to play characters from them. However, take care to portray characters as three-dimensional, with relatable desires and fears. 
uh, one person's culture isn't another's costume. Of course, that is the biggest thing. That's one of the first things I learned. Uh, if you dress up, simple outfits are best, okay? Uh, avoid leading into stereotypes uh, or clothing with real-world religious significance. Instead, focus on everyday wear. I like that. That actually simplifies it a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. um, obvious, well, <laughs> yeah. Don't change your skin color. That's a given. Uh, alter your features right. or emulate hairstyles you wouldn't normally have to appear uh, like a different real-world ethnicity. Similarly, avoid mocking real-world accents. That is, I take a lot of care not to do that. Um, unless it's like French or German uh, or European. So something that's familiar to me that I know. Uh, so right. kind of that that's my default is like, regardless of what a character looks like, it'll either be sort of bad French, bad German, bad Scottish, <laughs> uh, bad Irish, <laughs> right? Um, and that kind of has been successful for me so far. So just kind of stick to that uh, or British, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, those are the accents that I tend to, to stick to. So, gotcha. all right. Initial thoughts on on the guidance provided by Watsi so far. Because okay, of me, as a white woman, I'm like, okay, I really don't want to fuck this up, right? So I want <laughs> to... So I think that that's important because obviously it's not anybody else's job for me to be like, can you please tell me how to run this correctly? So I'm really happy that Watsi put in a little blurb because it avoids the burden of having to to educate me as a white woman who grew up in in, in an educational system that basically didn't give a shit about this stuff. Uh, right. And it's, it is exhausting. So I'm really happy that Watsi put this in here um, because it does provide for someone who's like genuinely wants to do this correctly, provides that guidance. Um, so like, like when I was asked to run it, uh, it was kind of, I was like, okay, but I want to do it right. So I'm glad this is in here. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I think it seems, it seems fairly genuine. Um, I really like the, the point that they highlight of, um, you know, bringing the detail, but don't make it a stereotype. Um, I think that's a really important thing to kind of highlight because too often we oh, kind sure. of find ourselves, um, you know, wanting to emulate and wanting to like bring that representation but then we kind of fall into those stereotypes of like oh you know i might be wanting to portray um let's say a um i'm just trying to think of like one of the adventures that i had heard of oh oh um you know i might be wanting to portray someone that is from the south but i don't want to do it in such a way that it is dis uh disingenuous and portraying them in a negative light because they already get they, they get enough of that you mm -hmm. know you, you don't necessarily want you want to honor but you don't want to stereotype right. and i think that's a really important thing to kind of point point out yeah and thank you by the way red panda spoons for the posture check because i have scoliosis early stage scoliosis i think from all my years of gaming because when i get really intense in gaming kind of lean forward and the hydrator die straight so the if you have a beverage oh i don't i should have i have oh. my i have my little snacks but i didn't okay. i didn't go with water <laughs> oh you need water you gotta, you gotta have water on a podcast i have my um pride pride peach tea peach tea which is so I buy this shit in bulk, even though I can only get it in individual cans. I just get like 10. Mm. <laughs> I'll get like 10 on payday and just throw them all in the fridge. But yeah, no, thank you for um, your thoughts on that and your uh, affirmation for me on that. Because I, again, I really want to like make sure that when I do end up running that game, because I would, I think I'm going to end up doing that collaboration because it's a limited run. Obviously, it's not a campaign that will go on forever. 
Right. These adventures seem like pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to end up doing that uh, as a partner collaboration. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to run it. That being said, I think there are some roll tables in here as well. Realizations and jewels. Okay. Concord jewels. This is interesting. Uh, beyond the Radiant Citadel drift the Concord jewels, which connect the city to its founding civilizations, which is, I think, the 15 surrounding civilizations. Each yes. jewel is a building-sized vessel capable of holding hundreds of people and tons of goods. Okay, that's cool. Uh, the jewels take a variety of shapes. Their interiors are similar. A cylindrical core holds containers for goods, including livestock. Surrounding the core is seating for passengers. Okay, this is kind of like already getting into that realm of Spelljammer-ish, science fantasy-ish. Uh, the employee's official operator is called Clavagers, the pilot of jewels. Each Concord jewel is linked to one of the civilizations that founded the Radiant Citadel. A jewel unerringly travels between the Radiant Citadel and the homeland of the... Okay, so is this how... It seems like this is how they get back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think my, my understanding is that the Citadel itself is kind of like a hub, and you can, you know, bounce in between these, these different adventures. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Uh, land, embark, plane shift, controlling a Concord Joe. Yep. Clavagers. Okay, all right, that's cool. So when you're in the main hub, uh, it seems like, from what I'm getting so far, you can let me know what your thoughts are, it yeah. seems like Y'all are going to start in the Radiant Citadel, explore the Radiant Citadel, and take one of these Concord jewels that has the appropriate determination here. So if you're going to um, the San Zitlan civilization, you'd take the Fire Opal Concord jewel. Right. That, okay. That's kind of what, uh, you know, That that's what my assumption would be. All right. That's pretty cool. What do you think of that? As like a hub, um, and then I you're think... taking the, the the Concord jewels and kind of zipping like spell jammery back and forth. I think that's pretty cool. I, I think that's fantastic because yeah. uh, it kind of gives you you know different things to play with, um, you know, because it's not just about you know of course you know the Radiant Citadel is kind of like <clears throat> your melting pot. That's probably right. see like a lot of different meshing of uh, different characters, kind of like you know this fantasy New York City or LA or, you know, some big city like that. Um, but then you also have sectioned off areas that your players can explore. Um, and I kind of like that because it not only, again, brings that highlight of how these uh, cultures kind of interact together, but then highlighting the different uh, cultures in their own space as well. And I think that's like mm. super, super important. Yeah, I mean, so far so good. That's pretty great. Um, the next part that we have is there's a little blurb here on life in the Citadel. So this is cool. So those two bits, I wanted to kind of read through a little bit just to kind of get our feet wet and dive in about the, the, the clavagers and the Concord jewels. And then the intro, the disclaimers, those I wanted to read through, but the next groups here, I think we can just kind of discuss what actually exists in the book as our first impressions and just to kind of talk about if we think it's what we think about what's provided. So there's yeah. so there's a, a blurb here, a page, a tab on life in the Citadel, which has art and culture, diplomacy, governance and politics, law enforcement, justice, lifestyle and society, and even tariffs and taxation. I think that's pretty Ooh. rad. 
Uh, yeah, you, it don't, also... you don't do that very often, which is actually kind of cool. Mm. Um, or if you do, it's like a little, you know, a little blurb uh, mm. and not that much. So it's really, it, that is really nice. I agree. Um, groups of the Citadel, incarnates, more pretty art, the Amethyst mm -hmm. Tiger. We've seen that before. Identities and incarnates. You know, what is an incarnate? The keepers of vast wisdom from distant lands. Okay. All right. That makes sense. It's like a faction. Yes. That's, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Speakers for the Ancestors. Characters. Shield Bearers. Yeah, okay, so the city has its own factions and everything. There's even a tab for Citadel Defenses. What you'll see when entering the Citadel. Legends and lore. And also, oh, here we go. Here's a D4 for Adventures in the Citadel. Okay, so, so far, Concord Jewels, Life in the Citadel, Groups of the Citadel, Citadel Defenses, Entering the Citadel, Legends and Lore. That's a lot already. And I think it's pretty cool to have that much kind of just thrown in there, just about the Radiant mm -hmm. Citadel, which is just your hub. Right. And it, I think it's super important to, as, you know, um, as was already mentioned, to make it seem like that melting pot to kind of, you know, give a little bit of uh, a backstory to each one of these places um, and your hub. Because, I mean, if your players are going to be walking around in the Citadel for a long periods of time, whether or not they're doing, you know, a shopping episode, let's say, or they just want to go explore, like, you can't give me a map like this and say, no, 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 we're just going to explore, like, the specific cities. No, I want to see how the people interact with one another. I want to just, I want to just experience the city. I, I would say that as a player. Um, and as a DM, I think it's super important to have, you know, that, that legend lore that you can, you know, insert uh, into parts of the city to make it kind of feel lived in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just impressed with how much there is. Right. <laughs> Let's see, I want to try something here and I want to mute myself. And the Discord. Yeah, I mean, there's just like ten little tabs just dedicated to the Citadel itself, and I think that's that's super super cool. Mm -hmm. There we go. Okay. The Discord is weird. I was getting a little bit of an echo, but it's a little bit. Yeah, it's uh oh, it's Husky. Hello. Hi, Husky. Um. Okay, so there is a. Citadel Adventures roll table here, which this is the roll table I was talking about. So it's got a D4, and uh, it's I wasn't I thought it was kind of adventures in the Radiant Citadel, but what it is is it seems like it's it's hooks, it's four different hooks that you can kind of expand to other parts of other parts of the book, which is cool. So you roll a D4, and it's one of these four hooks, which I think is a pretty cool way to just dump in rather than putting it all in the DM. I like that. Mm -hmm. So you can just roll and yeah, that's cool. And I also like the the auroral diamond in the center here. Yeah, that is that's gorgeous. Something broke with the track. Probot shame. Aha. Hydra to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird Marvel joke in there somewhere. 
somewhere deep buried. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally not obvious at all. <laughs> hello, hello everyone. Welcome back. All right. All right, technical difficulties averted. So I, I want to know more about these sort of areas in the city. So I'm curious, is, is it in life and... No, I didn't see it in there. Oh, noteworthy sites. Here we go. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Okay, so we do have a, we do have a, a guide over here. Noteworthy sites, uh, the Auroral Diamonds. Okay, very cool. It explains what that is, the Court of Whispers. All right, yeah, so all of your... All of your uh, keys are queued in here. Uh, Palace of Exile, awesome. Trade Disco, I really like that art right there, as it looks from like a three-dimensional perspective. Mm -hmm. See, if I share this, if it will, I don't think these are GM notes. So yeah, so you can look there and it's got all kinds of really cool stuff. Yeah, I really like that last piece of art when you can see it from like three-dimensional space. Like the, yeah, and the, the, I think that's that's gorgeous because the other thing, looking at it, I didn't even realize there was like you know a second a secondary level right mm. under it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of like looks like it just kind of wraps around around mm -hmm. the crystal, which is really cool. Oh, okay, I see what's going on. So if you look at it, like I totally missed that. So it looks like it's it kind of wraps around. Like that way. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you That's wouldn't really necessarily cool. get that just looking at, mm -hmm. um, you know, the the two D space. You kind of right. get that from looking at that last image there. Oh, that's really cool. All right, thoughts so far on just the hub itself. All of so, if you're buying the book, all right. So, or if you're buying a roll twenty or D and D Beyond, or if you're buying a physical copy, you'll get everything that we've seen so far, which is um, the intro. Uh, the credits and that little blurb in there about uh, how to to run this if you're genuinely concerned with how to how to run it which you should be <laughs> if you are a white person uh, and you look like me and you want to do this justice especially if you're doing it on a stream which uh, I am planning on doing it's really important to to listen and to to really read and to be considerate of those things because they're important they are very important um, mm -hmm. and you also get all of the features so you get the key the map the uh the extra art uh the noteworthy sites which is part of the key the concord jewel system which is how you transport uh the players and this kind of spell jammery crystal which is really cool it's very like superman universe type of situation <laughs> uh daily life in the citadel groups of the citadel factions and everything and the citadel is the melting pot so the citadel itself should be theoretically relatively easy to run for anybody um, because it is a melting pot. That's when you can bring in those those real life references to things that are familiar. Um, Citadel defenses. Uh, so if you want to do like a, a Radiant Citadel X Spelljammer, which I know you're excited about, which we should come back and do Spelljammer. Uh, so you can do like a Citadel X Spelljammer or like a, a, a Spelljammer, um, a Nautiloid Pirate Raid uh, or something like that. Um, uh, a little a little blurb on uh, or a page on entering the Citadel, how to make it grand and feel like a grand adventure. Legends and lore, uh, uh, Citadel adventure hooks, and I didn't even look at this one yet. Using the Citadel is another. Okay. Um, yeah, Citadel locales, founding uh, founding residents, ruin explorers, sanctuary seekers. Uh, there's even a blurb here on connecting adventures. I mean, so far, so good. I have everything I need to run like the first four, <laughs> two to four sessions of this campaign. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
your thoughts on on just the Radiant Citadel itself so far, and even that three-dimensional reference, the art is just so pretty, and so far I'm already excited. Um, it's it's funny that you mentioned that, because I have been, um, since, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it, um, in, in the group that I play with, uh, I have um, a Spelljammer-esque, not necessarily campaign, but kind of like a, a one-off thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's my baby. Cool. It's the thing that I that I like to develop because, again, um, I am crazy about Spelljammer. Yeah. Um, I, and I've been thinking about, okay, well, what's a cool thing that you can kind of drop in here? Kind of like a, um, a mirage or floating city type of deal. Like, I really wanted to add that in there. This would be perfect. This is something that I would I would definitely want to like pick up um, and kind of run alongside a lot of those one shots that I do um, as kind of like a hey, this is a place that you can you can come back to. Um, it's a it's a stable thing that you know if you guys are trying to find it again, um, you know this is how you might get to it, mm -hmm. um, or you might just run into it on you know one of the encounter uh, encounters that I have planned for that for that particular day. Um, you know, it's something that's that's nice that you can run alongside a campaign, you know, as has been mentioned, um, you can run it as a campaign, or, or you can run it along a series of one shots. Um, I, I think it's a it's a nice sandboxy plug and play thing that, you know, I as a DM would, would absolutely. So do you think so in this secret collaboration TBD? I think the plan is to run it as a campaign, but I do. So I think this is also in the same vein of the the trap that many of us have fallen into with fifth edition in these in these uh, collection books, which is you, which is you can't really run them as one shots, despite my best efforts, D. <laughs> despite my best efforts, uh, at uh, like like when I uh, had Tales from the Awning Portal, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna run a community one shot, and it was like ten sessions later, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of the same thing, but then we can use terms like multi-shot. Yeah, multi. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I kind of use one-shots as kind of like a catch-all because, um, like I said, with that particular group, um, technically, yes, it is it is one-shots or, um, or I'm sorry, not one-shots. Mm -hmm. uh, what is, it's a specific, oh, uh, West Marches. West Marches yes. is a series yep. um, of one-shots that kind of make up like a multi-shot thing. Um, and I think something like running a West Marches type of campaign mm -hmm. would be perfect for this. Now, I'm in a, a West Marches server. By the way, uh, we need to do our plug for Deceron, uh, our partner West Marches server. So, I still... It's overwhelming for me. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. it's play-by-post. And could you do... so? Is West Marches traditionally just play by post, or is, can you sit down at a table and do a West Marches thing? Um, I've never seen it like kind of run. So I, I guess to kind of get my my back mm -hmm. my background in in running a West Marches, what we kind of do is we we tend to have a group of players, um, and they just swap out their characters, which, as my understanding, is kind of how you normally do a West Marches. You swap out your characters, you may have the same amount, uh, you may have the same of people, but typically they're changing characters. Uh, but there's also another instance of like, you know, if you have somebody that's, that can only make it on, let's say a Thursday, you know, they'll mm. come in for like that once a month deal or something like that. Um, so it is kind of like that plug and play type of campaign. Um, but that's kind of how I've have experienced West Marches is, okay. you know, you know, someone says, Hey, I want to run a, uh, 
a game on Wednesday. Who can make it? That type of deal. It sounds ambitious. <laughs> it's very ambitious. Yes. It's very chaotic. Um, it, it, it works in play-by-post. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, which is why, uh, again, to me, this sounds fantastic because I'll just kind of go, mm. um, well, we have a group of characters that is level 10. I want to run this this one. Who can make it Friday? Um, yeah. So I, I would be, per uh, I would love this for, for my group. I mean, um, if of you course, have... this is not going to be for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have the wherewithal to, to do that, D, damn, girl, more power to you. Uh, but, like, I, I think I would just, uh, my ADHD brain is like, no, you <laughs> is freaking out about that, and <laughs> I'm going to run it, like, 1 to 14. So there you are... Know, I, I revel in the chaos. I say, oh, that's okay. We can just run this this time, and oh, well, you know, if it has to be a multi-shot, it has to be a multi-shot. It's very, with me, it's very, very loose. So it looks like there are a total of 13 adventures in the book total. 15, that's, that's quite 13. a lot. Uh, yes, because one of them is one through two. So there's a total of 13. And if you go back to the, the index page for the adventures, if you are purchasing the book, it gives you uh, what levels they are, which is what uh, you had mentioned earlier, D. So that's good. And the first one is one to two. So that's Salted Legacy. Um, so there are, again, uh, the first one is called Salted Legacy. Here's the, this is the cover art, obviously, for the, um, the book. Um, and <laughs> that is the one through two. So this is the only one that is levels one through two. So this is, uh, we're just going to go through the adventure kind of description, and we're going to just talk about our first impressions on the adventure descriptions, what we think of, of each one, and then we'll go down to monsters, and then that'll be our first impression. So keeping it simple, just kind of hanging out, chatting with the community, it filled up, so thanks everybody for coming and vibing with us on a Saturday. Um, Salted Legacy, adventure for first level characters brings them from one to two. Uh, a series of disturbances plagues the Din Sing Night Market, an endlessly changing maze of stalls filled with incredible wares, enticing smells, and magical lights. Accusations fly as the characters become entangled in a feud between the well-respected Tianmo and Zunggun merchants, uh, merchant families of the Xia Sungko. I think I said that. Close. I'm sorry. Very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> to prevent the family's conflict from escalating, the characters must earn the trust of the market's vendors and gain the help, and gain their help to unmask who's behind the rash of vandalism and thefts. So, is this in the Radiant Citadel, or is this in one? Um, it sounds like you could fit it uh, or slot it right in the Radiant Citadel. Um. I don't know if it has it specifically there, like, in the uh, GM notes. Um, but, I mean, to me, it sounds like it goes right in the, uh, the market area of the Radiant Citadel. Oh, here it is. Okay. It is. Okay. Could be any city's bustling trade district. Okay, and, okay, so here's what I heard, and it looks like it's correct, too. It looks like... Hello! Hey, Rudolph. Veroth, Hello. <laughs> It looks like you can take it looks like you can take this setting and it gives you sort of a key as to or some advice as oh. to where you can put it in other settings, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um so it says 
Okay, yep, you can put it in the Radiant Citadel, Eberron, Forgotten Realms. Yeah, no, this is great. Okay. So that's the first adventure. Very cool art. I mean, so I mean, so far that sounds great. I like that you can put it anywhere. It kind of gets people started. Uh, there's, let's see, what do we have for maps here? Here's the market, the Dinsing Night Market. That's cool. And I just want to double check on setting the adventure. Residents of the Radiant Citadel seeking a different selection of goods. Yep, yeah, my okay, so that so they go to the trade market. So it is confirmed in the Radiant Citadel. That was a little confusing to me at first, but uh it's right here. Right around okay. uh this area. Trade discal. There is a oh that's cool. I just like flipping through the art with you. This is great. <laughs> It looks like there is some challenges. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. There's not too much as to... There's not too much detail without reading through the whole thing mm -hmm. uh, as to what it may entail, but look at this adorable art. This is great. Oh my goodness, who is this? Why is he in the box? <laughs> I don't know. Yet, yet to be revealed. Okay. Oh, here we go. Okay, here's the background. So we can do the background, too. So the uh, Zungun and uh, Tianmo families have always had a complicated relationship. While their trades and relationships to the Dinsing night market differ, their stubbornness and intense family loyalty are the same. Both believe they're paragons of what a night market merchant should be, while also believing the other family has been jealously sabotaging them for years. Despite this, the current heads of the two families... Oh, and here's a pronunciation key, too. Alright, Dinsing, I was correct. Uh, Gemin Zungun, I was correct. Uh, Kasim Arun. Yep. Okay, so there's a whole pronunciation table down here. And that's super important with how there's going to be a, a whole yeah. bunch of yep. that I'm sure people will be familiar with, but then also at times they will be unfamiliar with mm -hmm. and, you know, wanting to kind of give respect to those specific cultures that you aren't as familiar with. I think that's super, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, in recent weeks, thefts and vandalism targeting both families' businesses have rekindled old suspicions, and the feud threatens to reignite. Okay, all right, there we go. There is there is our background <laughs> and setting. Um, okay, general thoughts on the first one. Uh, a feud between merchants it gets people introduced to the Radiant Citadel. They get to explore, they go to the trade discal, um, and get to meet some of the locals and to experience the melting pot that is the Radiant Citadel by introducing some of the other cultures here. Yeah, I mean... Um... I'm hooked because I like that there is a lot of opportunity, um, you know, for, for different types of encounters. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think too often, um, not to kind of go on a tangent, but I think too often um, of the three pillars of D&D, &D, uh, social exploration and combat, I think far too often we don't have enough social and, and uh, not definitely not enough exploration. I think this gives you the perfect opportunity to explore those two um, pillars of D&D. &D. Um, and I mean, you can definitely sprinkle in, you know, some combat. I'm sure, you know, there's an opportunity for like a pit pocket to kind mm. of, you know, insult, uh, incite the players into, you know, depending on the type of players that you have, to kind of goading them into 
um, a challenge or, you know, if you have a have a PC who might be from one of these families, you know, one of the NPCs kind of goading them into fighting and, you know, in the streets or something like that. There's definitely a lot of opportunity to explore all those different pillars. You could also have the pickpocket jump into a Concord jewel and take off to one of the back to one of the yeah. other 15 societies that are around the. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And that that's another plot hook that you could mm -hmm. also just casually drop in that, you know. Um, you know, isn't necessarily given to you by by the book. You know, there's some opportunity for you to be a little bit more sandboxy. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. I was kind of thinking that the the, the two that, families that's, and how. You, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and you can also have uh, your spell jammery type of stuff come in. Like you could have a, a rogue pirate, you know, who is part of a larger mm -hmm. potential raiding fleet, uh, kind of crash into or inadvertently be uh, become revealed and you know, in the Radiant Citadel, but very cool. Uh, okay, the next one is Written in Blood, an adventure for third level characters. Every year, the Awakening Festival draws folk from across the rich expanse known as God's Breath, which is one of the other worlds, uniting okay. celebrants as they tell their history and song and set the course for the upcoming year. But the mood turns grim when a group of farmers suddenly turns violent, manipulated by an unknown magical malady. In the aftermath, well-known trader Aunt Deli little link here well-known trader aunt deli mm -hmm. yeah and when you click on that there's even a little description right about uh who okay. uh, who they are uh see if i can get their pronouns in here yeah uh yep her okay so you can get her uh what she wants what her goals are personality traits ideals bonds flaws that's really cool i like it when they do that mm -hmm. and then there's also fears for her granddaughter Kiana. Hmm. Also has a handout. See, this is this is what I like about Roll Twenty is with all the handouts and it's very easy when you're doing when you're doing a podcast, but like when you're doing a, a game and you can just click 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 and then just go back and get to the other stuff. So I think that's one thing Roll Twenty does actually kind of well. And again, same thing, um, who she is, what she wants. Um, type of personalities that sort of thing uh, a worker at the farm the attackers came from deep within the outlying farmlands known as the rattle when the characters investigate they are pitted against a lurking evil that uses a young woman's grief and loneliness to lure new victims okay, so that's the overview is another art page traded farmers attack on Delhi on the streets of promise and there's a little block text there okay all right so level third level adventures, uh, you can travel to the rattle and to God's breath. Thoughts on the second adventure so far? Uh, Again, just, these are just initial impressions on based on art and just based on the descriptions alone. <laughs> Honestly, um, I feel like I'm a little biased because this feels like <laughs> I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at a lot of familiar faces, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I think I could also perfectly picture this happening, um, you know, somewhere possibly because this looks like this looks like a parish. Uh, this screams to me Louisiana, New Orleans, like that type of area. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Especially with, like the farm, uh, the farm. And if you're just kind of like just briefly looking at the architecture um, that you see in the um, the starting adventure art. Like I said, that that looks like something I would see in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think this is, again, I'm biased, 
I would definitely want to go there as a player. Um, mm-hmm. This would be one of the places where I'm like, okay, nope, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna mess around in this particular ritual. Uh, I will be here. <laughs> Y'all can do whatever else you guys want to do. Uh, I'm gonna be hanging out here and looking at all of the cool stuff that's here. Especially with this, um, what whatever's going on with the the mysterious power uh, that's kind of taking over the farmers here. Yeah, um, I think that that effect looks really really cool. So these are GM notes, so I'm going to keep that uh, hidden for now from the community, the lovely community that is watching <laughs> us, because I don't want any spoilers to, to leak out, you know, because I might be running it on one of our partner servers. So um, again, the background, uh, it's kind of this this malady, the the farmers, I'm, I'm not sure what folklore this is taken from specifically. Um, there's a lot of familiar tropes about, a mis- uh, uh, as Rudolph is saying in the chat, this mysterious malady that is kind of uh, putting these farmers in a trance-like state, almost zombie-like, though they're not sort of yeah. undead, but some sort of a trance that's causing them to kind of turn right. against their um, uh, their own community, which is right. interesting. And of course, you got to go in, and there's this sense of uh, escalating tension as more and more people probably succumb to whatever this is. Um, there's right. a lot of tropes you can identify with that. Yeah, yeah. I think what uh, I mean, if we're just kind of continuing with the Louisiana theme, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is some aspects. If um, I don't want to call it voodoo because I've been taught to not call it voodoo, and I don't remember the specific word that I was mm-hmm. taught. It's terrible that I'm forgetting it right now. But um, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity to explore themes like that. Um, um, especially because I think, I don't remember where it was, but the honoring the ancestors, um, if you're going with the Louisiana theme, I think that would be perfect for something like this. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of Creole um, heritage you could find in something like this, especially when, when it says, um, uh, where was the blurb? Um, oh, everyone calls her aunt. That's something very, very um, uh, close and dear to, um, you know, African-Americans, mm-hmm. um, specifically Creole living in, in Louisiana, living in the South, um, everybody calls you aunt, uh, you know, or everyone calls you cousin, you know, mm-hmm. you might not necessarily be related by blood, <laughs> right. but you're a cousin. <laughs> yeah. Now, are, are you, uh, I knew you were in California in LA for a bit, right? And are you in yes. uh, Louisiana now? Currently I'm in Texas. Texas. Um, okay. But oh, we're in the South. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, no, um, I, I kind of moved around um, to kind of give a little bit more gotcha. of story. Um, I did move around at one point. I think when we originally met, um, mm-hmm. I was in California. Okay, um, all right. Now I'm out in Texas, so I'm very much used to, like I said, when I say this looks familiar, I could drive like, I think it's like a, what, couple hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I could literally go to Louisiana and go, oh, nope, this looks familiar. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I also have um, heritage in my family of being Creole. So I'm okay. like, oh, All right. yep. this, is, this is cool. This is why yeah. I really, really would want to explore something <laughs> like this. Let's, uh, let's, let's see what else in, is in here, though, because uh, I think we can elaborate. If, if this is, uh, if you're excited about this adventure, we can do a little bit more into the, into the background here. Um, so it says, uh, this is, I looked it over earlier, there's not too many spoilers here, but it's a little bit of background. I actually think it probably should have been in the general notes, but sometimes they do that. They're like, oh, it's only for the, and it's just lore. And it's like, right. why, why are you putting the lore as, yeah, whatever. Um, 
But uh, it says life in God's breath revolves around community and agriculture, with mm-hmm. locals working hard to feed themselves and keep their land strong. But as the crimson-tinged farmland known as the Ribbon becomes less fertile each and every year, groups of young farmers and adventurers have begun to plant crops along the dangerous borderlands called the Rattle. There's the Rattle. Despite the constant threat of monstrous predators, new volunteers keep working in the Rattle to help provide for their people. If the bounty of the Ribbon continues to fade, learning to survive in the Rattle will prove vital to supporting the God's Breath peoples. But the rattle is home to more than just feral beasts. A nightmarish undead, there's the undead, known as the Soul Shaker, uh, has risen from these bloody lands uh, and has begun... Okay, that last part I'm not going to read out loud because maybe a little spoilers, but uh, okay. a nightmarish undead creature uh, has begun to rise and is corrupting the, the farmers. Gotcha. That's more okay. background. Uh, and I mean, I'm just kind of off screen looking at the Soul Shaker and yeah, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> that is a terrifying creature. Yeah, I'm sure we will uh, we will get there. I don't think there's too much uh, too much else uh, as far as background without spoiling too much. Um, just that there is some sort of a there's an undead presence, right? If you're interested, if you have the book, flip through it. If you're a player, don't spoil too much. But um, I'm sure you'd probably see the the art for the Soul Shrieker uh, in there and see the connections in that chapter. But don't spoil too much for yourself. Um, I think, you know, that might be a minor spoiler that the that there is this undead creature. But I think that was assumed because everyone in in God's Breath at, at the start of this adventure is acting very, you know, very zombie-like. So they right. are not with the, the red eyes and the kind of mm-hmm. trance that they're described as being in. Right. Uh, and also, so I should note, this is very important. Uh, hang on, let me just catch up as uh, the chat here. Yeah, I was actually going to say, if you want to look at the chat, um, the yeah. last thing that... Um... Mo- uh, Rudolph Mobo said yep. that that's kind of what I was what I was getting at the the mm. Haitian zombie mystique. Like I said, um, a lot of people know it as voodoo. Okay, it, yep, yep, gotcha. Mis- it, it don't don't call it voodoo, but right. like, that's the most popular thing that people think of. Mm-hmm. I I had also heard that too. Was don't call it that. <laughs> yeah, like that's not what it's called, but right. that's what most people know it as. Yeah. Any other? Oh yeah, that's that's really cool. Any other uh, uh, thoughts on Written in Blood? Before, and we're just gonna do a few because I know you have D and D soon-ish. So we'll do like the first three, and then we'll flip through some monsters, and then of course we know that there's ten other adventures that all of you can go check out and explore. And so far, these are great. I, I mean, both of us seem to already be like super excited about this. So, uh, any other thoughts on Written in Blood? And of course, we don't want to spoil too much. It's just first impressions. But. Yeah. No, I think this this. If it was just this and the Sultan Legacy alone, you have me sold. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Those are probably those are, for yeah. introductory um, adventures at that. Like I've always had problems with finding like those introductory level um, adventures that are interesting. I think these are very, very flavorful and very interesting. Now I'm seeing if there is a map for God's Breath. I think it's just the farmhouse. I'm not seeing. It looks like a lot of theater of the mind, mm-hmm. and then the farmhouse. So okay. I think, I think you'd probably and, you know, there's, yeah. There's nothing to say that you couldn't make your own. Um, I mean, right. not, not like incarnate, but um, <laughs> incarnate would be one of those options that you do have available to you that you could be using. Because mm-hmm. um, I know Pan, um, our our GM Panda got me hooked on incarnate. I I love it. Same. Um. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. There is also. 
I'll tab over here. Included. Included with your purchase. <laughs> Hello, Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> we love your content very much. Same thing with Roll20 and D&D Beyond. Hello, all three of you. If you want to sponsor us in any way, we wouldn't <laughs> hate that. That being said, included in your purchase of the Radiant Citadel in all mediums, whether you buy a hardcover or whether you buy a purchase at Unroll20 or D&D Beyond, is the Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel Gazetteer. And for every single chapter, you have an individual little gazetteer or a, a blurb and a compendium content. So the Radiant Citadel has everything we already discussed. Chapter 15 is Beyond the Radiant Citadel, which has some additions to the Taib and the uh, Umizu empires, and also how you can expand your adventure. So if I just click on this in the compendium content and go to, and this is also in the Roll20 as well. So Beyond the Radiant Citadel. Just some... Yeah, and then you can further dive into the Taib Empire or the Umisu Empires. And then also... Yeah, so let's go onto the God's Breath Gazetteer and also check that out. So yeah, there is a pronunciation guide here. Uh, Kali, Deli, Dre, Kiana, Polder, and tungsten seem to be the main characters and this is all this this is all stuff i think you can show to your players it seems like yep a god's breath features noteworthy sites nightwater cove nightwater isles the ribbon and the rattle town of promise yeah this is and it just keeps going and going <laughs> there's even naming conventions uh for oh, additional wow. npcs yeah um abba Bila, Dia, uh, Emmeline, Essie, Suki, um, for feminine, for masculine, uh, Keita, Ellis, uh, Coomber, uh, Mobe, uh, Saffron, and Sogo. And then there's also gender neutral and That's also cool. surnames. Yeah. There is, unfortunately, from what I can see, not a pronunciation guide for some of these names here, so I'm doing my best. Also, uh, included in the Gazetteer, there are God's Breath Adventures. So just a random D4 for other things you can do while you're following the main plotline, which is awesome. Uh, and then characters from characters from God's Breath, because in the Radiant Citadel, that's part of the, the hook to this, is making, you know, is saying uh, that, you know, you have uh, all these characters from different, um, right. different cultures in these different worlds throughout these 15 worlds that surround the Radiant Citadel. Uh, also, thank you, Double for the Rose Quartz. So that is only for the, um, that's only for the D&D campaign. But I will say, we'll cash that in, we'll give you a posture check, so, which I have terrible <laughs> posture, and I will admit that we'll give you a posture check and a hydrate. Uh, D, I don't think you. I think you put your water on the other table, so I'm gonna take a double drink of our peace <laughs> yeah. here for you. So we'll call that a double hydrate and a posture check, and then of course more from Beyond the Radiant Citadel information and art on the type, and even yeah. So even when you go beyond. The Radiant Citadel. You have your D4. You have D4 adventures for uh, the Taib Empire. 
you have is there a roll table here for umizu there is there's another roll table here for the umizu empire so you can just wow. there's all you can just keep going and going it's really impressive i think that's really really cool honestly with yeah. all the stuff that you get mm-hmm um, let's look at one more and then um, we'll we'll wrap it up because I know again you got D and D. Um, so the last one uh, that we'll go through as far as the adventures is the Fiend of Hollow Mine, an adventure for fourth level characters. A deadly magical curse called Sereno is killing people in the arid borderlands around the city of San uh, San After an encounter with an outlaw in the village of Milpazul, the characters learn the source of the curse is a Placatecolo, a shape-shifting <laughs> fiend. Fearing Ooh. for the folk under her protection, the outlaw directs the characters to the ghost town of Hollow and its abandoned mine, where she believes the creature lurks. When the characters explore the mine, they find a connection to a humble home in the city of San Citlan, where they learn that the Placatecolo is controlling a troubled <laughs> young man named Serapio. Who we have... Hey! Is that the... Serapio. Oh, okay. And then there is... Other stuff here, too. Uh, a terrifying monster. Ah, <laughs> uh, there he is. The, and the terrifying monster. Oh! Yes. Interesting! So, uh... I don't know if you want if you want to go over what uh, that particular creature is, but upon a first glance at it, I'm seeing some barn owl vibes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which I think is very interesting because if this is the culture that I'm thinking of, barn owls in particular um, always have like a mystical sense to them, which I think is very interesting to kind of. You know, I mean, as as we've kind of already gone over, um, this is kind of mish, a mishmash of different cultures, and I think that in particular being represented is really really cool. Agreed. All right, so it says amidst the celebration known as the Night of the Remembered, the characters must mm -hmm. find Serapio, confront the evil within him, and destroy it if they can. Right. And there is da -da -da, more GM notes. Okay. I don't want to spoil too much. and uh, So that's the basic okay. premise. Yep. Uh, so starting adventures. Uh, so I think this is... Okay, yeah. Th this is the one. This is the one I was excited about because this is kind of the... Um, uh, this is a uh, take on Dia de los Muertos, uh, a mm -hmm. take on Day of the Dead. So the living and the dead celebrate the night of the remembered, as it's called, in San Citlan. And look at this art. Look at how beautiful this is. Okay. So yeah, this... this okay, so I remember... When they were first marketing Journey Through the Radiant Citadel, the big promo push that that was happening a lot was about this particular adventure, the Fiend of Hollow Mine, because it was uh, very one of the most recognizable um, uh, cultural uh, cultural hallmarks um, is of uh, of Latinx culture is the the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, um, and it's such, it has such a wide appeal. Um, mm -hmm as a celebration uh, and a day of remembrance uh yeah obviously disney made a movie about it <laughs> so i think disney made several movies about it i think yeah i think it's several but the more recent one um 
I think the more recent one is probably the one that most people remember rather than um mm -hmm. oh gosh what was the other one called uh um, coco was one no coco was the more recent one yeah. but um there's another one um i think it might be like book book of life or something like that i think you might be right uh yes the book of life uh the 2014 film okay um, oh yeah yeah, that's, yeah yeah that's the one i that that i think most people remembered before coco had come out but i mean not to not to knock on coco because coco was really really good mm -hmm. it made me cry <laughs> it was a really good movie yeah um but book of life i think was that that first one that a lot of people remember and I know uh, uh, um, Husky uh, just said that uh, he loves the details with the ofrenda, too. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's so, so gorgeous. And also, look at this altar, which we've seen portrayed in in, in pop culture many, many, many times. So an altar uh, for the Night of Remembrance. Another art handout here. Uh, oh, I that's was, gorgeous. Yeah. I remember that there were a lot of there were a lot of Latinx voices uh, that came out in support of that were uh, uh, sort of this particular module because of the work that was being done, and everyone that has that's part of the writing team is is a very diverse team of writers, obviously because they wanted Watsi wanted to do it correctly. So I remember there was a lot of praise for the Fiend of Hollow Mine, and it was also again being so recognizable between Disney and um, and popular culture that it was kind of the first big push that I remember for promotional materials for Radiant Citadel. So I'm very excited to actually run through this and see uh, how it goes and how it plays. Uh, thoughts on that so far? Um, I mean, I think we're betting three for three. I'm yeah. like, I would be over the moon to do something like this. I mean, again, living in California, some, you know, still somewhat getting that um, Mexican culture from Texas, but it, I, I feel personally like it was more prevalent in, in California just because of where I was in California. Again, living in LA, um, you know, you get that whole experience of, um, you know, having, having these types of celebrations. Um, you know, I see a lot of familiarity in, in, in this, and I would be over the moon to be a part of this. Yeah. And I, by the way, I, I, I have to share this because um, I'm gay. Uh, and there's a really, <laughs> there's a really pretty elvish woman here. Uh, and a really, two of my favorite colors. And <laughs> red and gold. <laughs> my God, this is a beautiful woman. Yes. Um, and she's an elf. Yep. Man, mm -hmm. you're killing me here. <laughs> <laughs> I um, cannot contain the game. And also, <laughs> look at this flower dress. And oh, that's the, gorgeous. The, the handout is called Diva's Attack. And this woman has is wielding a, a heel. Uh, <laughs> and if you know... <laughs> that, I love great. that she's yeah. wearing a heel. Yeah, yep, yep. Pretty lady in a pretty dress. Although, I gotta say, the River of Gold handout... Uh, you know, I am... All I can say is I'm very gay. <laughs> And also, there's, there's there's a roll table here for rumors when you're in there, and of course, um, yep, uh, that is yes, that is the one to the third adventure, and a fourth adventure. The fifth adventure we start to get into, and I know we're running short on time, um, but this is, I believe, the first adventure for East Asian cultures, the sins of our elders. I'll share some of the art handouts here. Um, oh, okay. 
again yeah, uh, yeah. See that influence, especially mm-hmm. with the tiger of all like tigers are very very um symbolic in um more and more eastern cultures specifically yeah. in like chinese culture yeah i i would love to i would love to do a part two to uh any um of my asian friends who want to um who want to come in and talk on on any of these other adventures um that are that were written by asian writers and that take place in east asian cultures uh, i would love to to have you on the show and talk more about this um but we are kind of running short on on time here and i think i think we've gone through um the ones that call out to us uh that that we kind of gravitate towards and i'm very excited now the the wages of vice it looks very like it could be like when i share this too it looks like it could be very queer coded and for yeah. for me as someone who is is pan uh, uh, uh was pan i'm more of a lesbian now but just sort of a, a, a queer trans lesbian um it's sometimes pan depending it was inside joke about that from the grtw server but um a queer trans lesbian any queer adventures are like super cool to me anything that's even remotely queer coded that is sort of a celebration of colors and life and um gender expression anything like that i'm super interested in so wages of vice especially because that really pretty lady uh the elf lady i want to i want to know more about her i'm like i want to know more about this woman my i think my first impression of just kind of looking at the wages of vice kind of looks like mardi gras yeah that looks like mardi gras yeah that's probably probably what it is but from what i am told uh that that mardi gras is also very and that um Bourbon Street is very queer coded and that part of the celebration in a way is just a celebration of part of it is is has to do with expression, gender expression and um, just sort of a, a coming together of, of all walks of life in celebration of colors and life uh, and, I, and um, sort of celebrating your identity. If I have that part of Mardi Gras correct, that that is sort of an element to the celebration. Or it has been recently, but I don't know. I think it's more recent uh, just yeah. because, well, I mean, obviously we can't really get too, too into it, but I mean, if you look into the history of mm-hmm. just Louisiana as a state, yes. and specifically yep. New Orleans, there's, there's so much to go over. Like I said, um, getting into it now wouldn't necessarily do it justice. Right. Just right. because there's so much history that is, that is there in that specific area. Um, but I, I think um, to your point, Yes, more recently, it, it has been a little bit more, how do I want to put this? Um, more accepting? Yes. Is yeah. a word? Okay. <laughs> that, that is a word. Uh, that is that is accurate. We, we, cele- we celebrate Mardi Gras in Catholic school, which was weird. We had like a Mardi Gras celebration, but I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't complaining. It was a big thing. They would they would have streamers and and you know confetti and and gifts and and uh, sort of jewelry and beads and everything. It was, uh, I mean, it was interesting. It's interesting to be in like a very white area, having your Catholic school celebrate Mardi Gras. But I mean, I think I think their I think their intention was was in in the right place because if you um, the the catholic church specifically not that i mean i'm a pagan now but i I remember that was roughly when they had sort of an uh they had a big uh, push for sort of cultural outreach and um Mm -hmm. uh because of all the scandals that were happening 
And if you look at all of the, the sort of uh, Christo-fascism that you see kind of popping up around the country, it is kind of very white uh, Baptist type of thing, evangelical, like, um, no, not, no, I'm sorry, not Baptist, uh, the white evangelicals, white evangelicals of various different sort of subsects, right? And I remember it kind of makes sense that like, uh, even though there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of problems with some of the other, these other communities that the Catholic Church has been trying to do this outreach. But again, I'm a Norse pagan, so none of that really applies to me anymore. Um, but our, it's fascinating to 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 hear about that and about like why we learned about, and we had a day for all these different cultures in Catholic school, and it was because that was when they started doing their outreach program because of the other scandals that were happening in right. the Catholic Church. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, enough about that. Um, let's see as far as creature tokens here. I'm going to put you on the token page. And we'll just take a quick look at some of the art here for the creatures. Oh my goodness, there's so many. Yeah. Um, you have to pick one that calls out to you. I mean, this one right here, the Bakunawa, is like the first one that catches my eye. Uh, the Bakunawa... Which one is that one? Uh, it is a little bit further down. It's below the dragons. Ah, okay... Um, hmm. I mean, I'm biased. Uh, so, of course, the first thing that popped out to me were the dragons. Um, yeah. Specifically, this colorful lad. Yeah, Who that's 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 the Bakunawa. Well, that's him. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Him or they or her. I don't know. I don't know their pronouns. Um, uh, but yes, no. Gorgeous, gorgeous being. Um, but if we're talking like NPCs that pop out, um, let me zoom in a little bit kind of um well i guess we're kind of leaning on my biases here this this little guy this little kobold oh the kobolds okay ah this kobold i think this is a theme on one of the other pictures that i've seen gammon gammon zangoon all right let's see where are they see if we can bring them up here gammon okay yep just a little kobold, and there they are. There, yep, there yep. they are. Yeah, this this would be one of the kobolds where I'd go, nope, I'm forcefully adopting you. You don't have a choice in this, buddy. <laughs> you are you are now the party mascot. So I just want to say that flipping through the book, um, this is my favorite. This is my absolute favorite art going through the entire book. One hundred percent. Hello. Yes. Who's um, this pretty boy? Or person, they? Um, I'm gonna go with they. Jorna uh, is a youthful, neutral riverine who appears as a soft-spoken young man with long hair. His, uh, yeah, he, they. His river was one of okay. many waterways created in the geological fallout after the destruction of the city of Manavarsha, uh, Manavarsha and the great river Adihorit. Although he dreams of one day being a mighty river, his dream is impelled, is imperiled by the strange magic infecting his waters. Okay. Mm, so he's kind of like a water spirit then? Yeah, a very pretty water spirit. <laughs> oh my god, is that his, is that their, his dad? I think Who so. is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, likely. Likely. And also, um, I just want to point out my other, uh, the one that we, we pointed out at the very beginning uh, as a point of interest we also have the Tlexolotl. 
Uh, feeling some things for the flowery gorge. Yes, feeling some things for the flowery gorgeous as Rainier in that opening art for the Wages of Ice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so this is the Lexalotl. Oh the my big boy. goodness! This, this boy, this fiery boy, he wins my heart. Yes. Because I love fire and I love how squishy he looks. Yep. Um. He could probably squish all of us. That's okay. <laughs> Very easily. That's okay. <laughs> that uh, is perfectly fine. <laughs> okay, so CR10. Pyroclasm, recharge 5 to 6. Uh, gouts of molten lava erupt from the Telexolotl's body. Each creature in a 30-foot radius sphere centered around the Telexolotl must make a DC 15 Ooh. dex saving throw. Uh, on a failure, taking 66 fire damage and 66 bludgeoning damage. That is, yeah, that is a creature. That That's is a chunky creature. 12d6! Hmm. I mean, that's like, what, 4d6 more than a normal fireball, and not all of that is fire damage? That's crazy. I'm... I mean, I guess that makes sense why that one in particular is on a recharge, because that's, that's pretty much like a breath weapon. Yeah. A, a stronger breath weapon. Raven's Tower, oh, thank I you for the follow. Do. I do also, just kind of looking at this creature stop clock as a, as a DM, my DM brain kind of going crazy here. Mm -hmm. um, I do like that the tail oh, just automatically imposes a saving throw or being pushed. Pushed or knocked. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not or. It is pushed and knocked away. For um, the Tlexalotl? Yes. So it's pushed 10 feet back um, plus being knocked prone. I like messing with with uh, statuses as as a DM, mm -hmm. so I always like being able to kind of push my players around um, or knock them prone yeah, because same. prone is <laughs> fairly easy to get to um, to deal with. You just stand up. Um, you know, it, it's not as debilitating as something like stunning them or incapacitating them. It's something that is a status effect that I feel okay as a D, uh, as a DM kind of imposing on them. Mm -hmm. um, that I don't think it changes how you would have to approach it, um, but also at the same time, it doesn't. It's not detrimental to your character. It just kind of changes how you fight it. Yeah. Which I think is super, super interesting, especially because, you know, um, I think we all have experienced what it is to be um, the melee fighter and something decides, no, I'm just going to fly away or teleport away. It also has a, a speaking of uh, burn a lot, it also has. <laughs> <laughs> I like that burn a lot. <laughs> it has regeneration. So it regains 10 points at the start of its turn unless it takes cold damage or it's immersed in water. And it has a fire aura. At the start of each of its turns, each creature within 10 feet of it takes 2d6 fire damage and flammable objects that aren't being worn or carried ignite in flames. A creature that touches the axolotl with its melee attack takes 2d6 fire damage. So this is this is something that will give what? your melees a run for their money. Because <laughs> they have points. to now deal with the aura just kind of eaten away at their health points. Wow. So your, your melees will be busy and so will your clerics. <laughs> I the this is a this is a very good lad and I love him. I but I want to, I want to hug him. I don't care if it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is how but most of us would never would never survive in D and D because we'd be like I want to <laughs> hug you to every freaking monster in D and D and then we would promptly uh, 
very quickly thereafter be deceased. Um, and the That's okay. <laughs> uh, the Bakunawa, uh, I just realized, can uh, eat you. Um, oh, yes. that that I like. I, that I like. Um, okay, uh, DC 17 strength saving throw will be swallowed. Uh, you take 3d6 lightning damage in the gullet. It's like a giant sea snake. Mm. Okay. A giant sea snake, <laughs> if you will. Sea snake, yep. And, uh, wow, okay, yeah. And of course, uh, Team Jorna uh, are uh, very feminine presenting masculine river spirit, uh, one of my favorites here. And Olin, I'm curious about O-L-L-I-N. These are all fantastic. Named in PC. Olin. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Hello. Ooh, hello. Whomst is you? A chaotic good tiefling. Uh, oh, pretty... oh, I see, I see the horns. Okay. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ooh, I like them. They're interesting. Uh, yeah, I am very into, oh. like... I love their colors. I will. I will just point that out. I love their colors. And um, as Rainier, who uh, oh the soul, the soul shaker, is a soul, soul shaker or soul shrieker? Uh, as Rainier, uh, which Husky mentioned before, uh, the mm. Prince of Vice, the Prince of Vice is as Rainier, the son of Grand uh, Messer Messier Emosnier, the eldest member of the Kings of Coin. Okay. Ooh. Yes. And then that is from what we saw uh, earlier mm. at the Perils of the Parade. Okay. That goes back to that. Um. <laughs> Alright, so we have one final request before we wrap up here. The soul... Oh, maybe it's not here. Is this all alphabetized? Uh, looks... Well, maybe, maybe not. Let's see. Where is it? Look for something that looks undead, I suppose. <laughs> mm. sound oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Okay. Right, it's not coming up. There it is. All right. Last but certainly not least up for the day. <laughs> it's funny. I just saw a roper. Uh, the Soul Shaker. <laughs> this is from God's Breath. This is from the second adventure that we were. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. This okay. was the one I was looking at, and mm. yeah, this is terrifying. <laughs> uh, DC, uh, oh, sorry, challenge of... Uh, my heart melts for Azra, I know, for Azra Nier. <laughs> you just wrapped up a game where you fought a soul shaker? Yeah, how was it? Did you survive? <laughs> um, so it is DC 4. It has enthralled lure. The soul shaker can cast Ooh. the Gia spell. Holy shit. Requiring wow. no spell components and using charisma of uh, DC 12. Okay. Uh, you okay, okay. So not, you better pass that saving throw. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's not terribly overpowered. I mean, mm. you know, it's a, it's a fifth level spell that it has, but the spell save is, is relatively low. Yeah. Um, and I think, well, depends on your, on your caster, but I think there's a lot of casters that do get charisma to their saves. So... Theoretically, you know, your once a day should be fine. Should be. Mm -hmm. If not, well, I suppose you're uh, 
your encounter just got a little harder. Yeah, and if you get charmed by Gius, you're fucked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, to speak bluntly. Also, yes, also, the chat pointed out more arms more arms to hug you. More I arms for... <laughs> from that one. No, no, not that one in particular. That one, don't eat hugs. Yeah. Thank you, chat, for that glorious gem. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> okay, so chat, uh, Raven's Tower, we took it out without too much difficulty. It grappled our barbarian, but I used Vortex Wrap. Oh, nice, to get them out. Roll the nat 20 to save versus its center. Awesome! Nice. Very cool. Heck yes. Um, reconstruction. When the Soul Shaker is reduced to zero hit points, it explodes into seven crawling claws? Oh, that's awful. <laughs> that's awful. I love it, but it's awful. Consuming vitality. A Soul Shaker targets a creature it's grappling. If the target is not a construct or undead, must succeed on a DC 14 con save or take 2d6 necrotic damage. That's pretty deadly at level 4. Uh, oh, the yeah. target's hit point maximum is reduced by an amount equal to the necrotic damage taken at level at as a CR four. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's it's not. I think it, this is a little bit hilariously. I think this is a little bit more tame than the shadows, um, which is another undead <laughs> yes. that is infamous for killing low level. Yes, characters. I we we talked about this before about D's relationship with shadows in D and D. God, I hate shadows yes. so much. And I because they're just it's so very easy even if you have all the planning mm -hmm. it's so easy for it to go wrong um you know as 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 running it as a dm it's so very easy to go wrong destruction okay so here's the main attack crushing grasp plus seven to hit oh that's uh, that's a that's a meaty to hit 12 bludgeoning damage, uh, yeah, damage, I'm making up words. And then it's grappled, <laughs> and then it's grappled. Okay, so then it, when it's grappled, then it can use their, um, it can use their consume vitality, right? To just reduce your hit points. So you're going to need some restoration and a long rest. Uh, all level, we're all level three. Okay, you're all level three, and there are five of you. Yeah, reconstruction is cool about how when it shatters, it becomes crawling claws. That's terrifying. Yeah, that, that's that's an image. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the crushing grasp is is I think that's really cool, especially a grapple on a hit. Mm -hmm. um, I think at that level, so this is for the level three, was it, or was it yep. um, level three? Okay, so I think what at that level you have access to things like enlarge, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, possibly. Uh, yeah, so enlarge I think is second level. So theoretically. Theoretically, you can help your friend out, um, you know, out of a situation like that, because they can't grapple a large creature. Second level like. transmutation, so maybe not. Uh, well, if they're level three, do you get, do you you get your you first? Wizard. Okay, okay. Yeah, if you have so, a yeah. wizard or something, wizard, mm -hmm. sorcerer, I don't remember all the specifics of it, but I'm just thinking, you know, like trying to wrap my brain around right. like, how this might work. Yeah, yeah. Um, or an artificer. Oh well, no. If you're third level, an artificer would have to have. But a, but a pool caster would. So that would be that would be something. You know, there, there's a tactic there of a way to get around it. Yeah. yeah no, I think that's that's pretty cool. All right. Well, um, we are just about that time. It's been uh, <laughs> just over an hour, and I know you got to run to your D and D campaign. So thank you for staying over. A little bit did your campaign already start no um it looks like they still might be uh gathering so i still have some time okay cool, cool. uh but yeah 
Well, uh, anything else last minute then that you want to go over, take a second look at, um, take a take a peek at, or any monsters or any other chapters well, before we wrap I mean, up? Can we just stare at that beautiful elven lady for just just a little bit longer? Absolutely. You're you know, for so... science reasons. <laughs> See if I can find her in the NPCs list. Get her name because it just says. No, I don't see her on the list. She's just kind of there as a handout. Interesting. All right. Uh, she was in creatures. Right handouts. Against the Bedell. There we go. She she was one of the handouts though, right? Yep. She is in Wages of Ice, the River of Gold. Okay. River of Gold. Okay. You know, for, yep. for science reasons. For science. Just, just, to, just gonna look know, at this pretty lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a pretty lady uh, standing by uh, playing her uh, Steam Deck <laughs> on the couch. Uh, Alright, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, that, I think, is uh, uh, looking at a very beautiful woman uh, <laughs> and uh, talking about uh, how gay we are, forested beautiful woman, I think is a great place uh, to uh, wrap up for the day. And uh, yeah, any uh, other than that, anything else you wanted to go over or take a second look at or that sort of thing? I think, no, I think um, honestly, like this is, this is one of the, um, one of the books that I would certainly uh, want to purchase and be super excited to run just because of all the little lore tidbits that yes. are in it all the interesting um npcs um and all the like i said all the cultures that that get explored i think this is one of uh, one of the really cool ones um of course i can't say the best one that's being released because i'm biased i love Spelljammer. have to put that out there again mm -hmm. but this is definitely one of my top favorites uh would you like to come back to do a Spelljammer review absolutely <laughs> okay not to not... talk about space i will talk about space <laughs> not to put you on the spot like that but <laughs> but i know you've, you've you've been hyping it up for for most of the podcast so i want to at least uh ex extend the invitation and hopefully we can we can do another collaboration to discuss yeah. belljammer and totally geek out on that yes so. absolutely like i said um you know as have you heard me say love spelljammer um mm -hmm. definitely would love to come back for something like that. Well, I'm excited for that. And if you are queer, if you are witch or witchy adjacent or pagan or pagan adjacent, and you are into tabletop role-playing games, you can join our Discord server here, of which both of us are members, of course. And D, tell the lovely people of the internet where they can find you, where they can, uh, uh, if they like cats and food. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys like cats and food, um, you can follow me on Instagram, um, AfropuffLady. Um, or uh, if you find yourself needing maps for some of these, um, I am also on Incarnate. Um, I definitely make a whole lot of maps. I think right now, again, most of my kind of shtick has been Spelljammer in preparation for the book coming out. Um, but, you know, I can always, always take requests as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dee. It has been an absolute pleasure once again to talk with you on ESP D&D &D about our love for D&D, &D, 5e specifically, and uh, 
our experience with previous editions and looking forward to the future of D&D 5.5 and whatever else uh, happens to to come our way. So thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Uh, I very much look forward to our Spelljammer conversation where we can do this again and rant and go through and do our first impressions uh, or a deep dive. I like the first impressions. Look, I think this is a good format. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. the first impressions were really, really good. And um, obviously, no, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come back. Of course. Um, we're always happy to have you. So uh, thank you again. And uh, we will catch, uh, I'll let you catch your D&D game. And we will see you back here in uh, a couple of months or so, uh, roughly, to to deep dive in a spell jammer when it comes out. Heck, Heck yeah, yeah, girl. Awesome. And right. I will see you tomorrow in our home game, our D&D home game. We're in the middle of a war. Oh, and yes. I missed the last session. So <laughs> chaos it's is happening. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in that one. We got to catch you up on that. All right. Uh, Well, I'm excited to jump in and hopefully uh, we can, you know, uh, chaos and shenanigans is happening. So, and to all of our lovely community members, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for vibing. Thank you for just, uh, this is the, this is honestly the best live streamed podcast that we've done as far as community engagement. So yeah, we're, we're doing it. Usually it's just, this is great. So thank you, everybody. Um, We love you all very much. Uh, and uh, until next time, and again, thank you so much, D. Until next time, be gay, do crimes. Peace out, <laughs> witches. Bye, everybody. <laughs>